Welcome to the Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. This is episode 200 of the show. We've had 200 conversations, 200 attempts at helping deconstruct a tough subject that the church doesn't handle well, 200 tries to help the church move forward and become a more educated, more aware, and more accurate representation of love, acceptance, and reflecting Jesus. If there's one thing I can say about the time on this show, it's that I've learned a ton. Hopefully you have as well. But with new knowledge comes new opportunity. The aim of new information isn't just to be more educated, but to adapt and apply that knowledge to how we live. To grow and evolve is the true essence of being not only human, but also being a follower of Jesus. So in this special episode, I've invited some friends to share and contribute to what we've learned, ask some questions, and give you some of the future of where Dismantle Podcast is headed. So thanks for checking out this special episode, celebrating how far we've come and where we're going. After these things, there was a festival of the Judeans, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, at the Sheep's Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. A great many of the ill lay in them, the blind, the lame, the withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel descended into the pool at a certain time and bestirred the waters, Whoever then, after the stirring of the waters, stepped in first, was healed of whatever disease he had. And there was a certain man there who had an ailment for 38 years. Jesus, seeing this man lying there and knowing he had already done so for a long time, says to him, Do you wish to become healthy? Dismantle Podcast started in 2018 with a loss. It was the result of losing a faith community, stepping down from a ministry job, having a new child, starting a new career, and asking a lot of questions. What I was finding is that I was having more honest and fulfilling conversations around faith, theology, the Bible, and God with people who were outside of the walls of the church than from whomever was at the pulpit every seven days. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great to have these conversations I'm having around a campfire or at a bar transcend this moment and actually help the church engage in this subject? Not in a debate fashion, because I had seen that all my life and it produced great arguments, but it didn't give us a lot of progress. So with the encouragement of friends and family, we began the first slew of episodes around topics that my friends were experiencing. Atheism, church planting, adoption, gaming, race, and other various subjects with some people whose names you might not see on the side of a book cover, but they all had one thing in common. 
They all had a complicated experience with church, and they all had an idea on how it could improve. Here's some highlights from some of those episodes. My point is, I'm more interested in talking to someone who says, I know there is a God. I believe that they're equally as wrong and deluded. So that's why you have to be agnostic. I think everyone deep down is on agnostic. Some left, on yeah. on so, push them, you know, up that epistemological ladder like Paul did to me. Raise the stakes enough and unless you're crazy, honestly, uh you'd have to sit there and admit, "Okay, okay. Uh, you know, yes, I don't know." One of the words that that's really powerful that we use a lot is placed. Um, so as much as possible, I just, I try to say it myself, you know, she was placed with us, not we adopted her, but she was placed with us, yeah. you know, um, because that's what happened. Oh, so what you're saying is I'm no longer a child of God. I, I shouldn't, or that my son is not a child of God. We don't belong here. And so Alexis and Noah never returned to church. And then somehow we wonder why that would happen. It's like, but the Christian, yeah. there, it wasn't the outside world that did it. It was the church that did that to me. I think a lot of people would say, well, the Bible describes him as male. So he's male. And I think you're forgetting that the Bible was decided by men and it was chosen and collected and pulled together. And yet there are still so many examples of women and there's metaphors of women that made it through. And so you need to maybe expand your imagination of what God could be and maybe think about like, why do you have to insist that God is male? And what are you losing when you insist God is male? So even though nearly 71% of Americans claim to be Christian, and, you know, about 8% of Americans claim some other religious identification, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Baha'i, etc. Regardless, those people that they say that spirituality is important to them, they can't seem to articulate it in most of their lives. Only 7% of Americans have a spiritual or religious conversation on a regular basis. When you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm colorblind, you're trying to do the right thing, right? You're trying to say, like, I don't, your race doesn't matter to me. I'm going to look at you as a human being. But you're only going to look at a person. If you're saying that you're going to look at a person and be colorblind, then you are choosing to ignore huge parts of that person's identity. Then 2019 hit and we started booking up. Not only did the subject matter intensify, but the people group diversified. We started gaining some traction around Instagram and the whole deconstruction community started to become a thing. There were other accounts doing what I was doing, taking a critical look at the church and seeing if there was more to the story of these people leaving than what we were told. In this process, we really began a solid community of people who challenged the way we thought the way we viewed scripture, and the role the church was playing in culture. Some of those people are Scott Erickson, taking his episodes to share the beauty of art, of story, of death and rebirth. Singer-songwriter Sean McDonald, discussing the role of uncertainty in music and faith. Audrey Assad chatted about order, disorder, and reordering our faith journey. Author Brian Zond, spoke on America's obsession with empire mentality. Kim Walker-Smith, 
Keith Giles, Michael Sweet, Kevin Garcia, Preachers and Sneakers, Jennifer Knapp, John Mark McMillan, Propaganda, Shane Claiborne, David Bennett, Derek Webb, Robin Henderson Espinoza, Aaron Nyquist, Evan Wickham, and over a hundred other guests gave their time and emotional and spiritual capacity in conversation in the year 2019, ending our episodes at 115. But as we drew near to that number, something was off, something was wrong, and I had to figure it out. If one could run without getting tired, I don't think one would often want to do anything else. C.S. Lewis. After doing the show for a year and change, I was tired. Not tired of recording or having these conversations. Not tired of the people I was connecting with, but I felt like I was constantly deconstructing. I was constantly taking things apart. Multiple times a week, it was like drinking from a fire hose. And I was running out of time. Because I do all the editing on the show, all of the recording, the writing and promotion, the one thing I didn't have time to do was to apply what I was hearing. Sure, I'd be taking the church by storm sharing with it faulty theology, misused scripture, ways to include the LGBTQ community, how politics is an idol trap, but I never got a chance to do the work. And if therapy taught me anything, it was that you must do the work. Conversations are wonderful, but they should lead to action. Otherwise, they merely remain concepts. If I couldn't enact the progress that was happening in the podcast realm, what good was the church going to benefit from if the episodes never came to life? And so I decided that the show would end, that we would break, and I would no longer host Dismantle Podcast. After all, 115 episodes is a lot. It's quite an accomplishment. And I thought that should give us enough content as a template manual to look back on and do the work. After all, we've practiced enough and now it's time to move forward. And at the end of 2019, we posted a series finale because it's not like anything new would happen in 2020, right? When you focus on problems, you'll have more problems. When you focus on possibilities, you'll have more opportunities. As the year 2020 began with chaos and spectacle, with politics in the United States, a global pandemic, and ever-growing deaths in the news, I sat quietly, but I was restless. Not because I was concerned about the outcome of the events, whether or not I would catch COVID, or even if this would all ever end. I was restless because my microphone wasn't on. The usual method of processing shit 
of discussing ideas, of grappling with concepts bigger than myself was on mute. And I couldn't just record an episode. Hell, I couldn't even grab a beer with friends. There was an isolation and loneliness like I've never experienced before, and I'm sure you haven't either. I got off social media platforms and basically convinced myself that I had nothing more to say. I was now going to focus on applying 115 episodes worth of lessons to the church. But that wasn't true. I did have something to say. And I couldn't apply the lessons how I thought I would because I couldn't go to church. As the murder of George Floyd flooded the news stream, as Black Lives Matter attire became more commonplace, I sat silently and watched a church that refused to engage. We didn't engage on the issues, and we couldn't engage with each other. Sure, Zoom saved all our asses and I wish I bought stock in it, but we were missing community, a sense of serving one another. We had no vision for the future and we had no idea how long we would be in this spot. So, I did what I always do. I saw an opportunity, and I took it. Professionally, I do video editing. So I was helping the church do video content for services, whether that was digital worship sets, recorded sermons, graphics for social media, whatever I could do to provide value and help us get through this unknown season. And even though this was an unprecedented time, God, I hate that word now, I still saw similar things within the church from when I started the show in 2018. There was still a confusion about scripture. There was still a lack of loving the other, an inflexibility to shift in a new direction, a hyper-focus on doing our thing. I took the summer to process some of these things, and my restlessness wasn't just in what I was seeing in the world and in the church, but it was also in my creativity. I wasn't producing anything creative. I wasn't writing music. I wasn't making videos for myself. I was empty. And yet the world and my newsfeed continued to provide content. I knew I could always just pick the show back up, but that self-talk, that demon on my shoulder told me, don't be the guy making a fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, someone who can't let go of the glory days, someone who hasn't moved on. And so I tabled the idea. But in September of 2020, I was sitting on a beach in Virginia, just watching the waves come, and I thought, what happens if we bring it back? God knows we won't run out of content. Surely there are things to talk about. I still think people would connect with this idea. And the idea made me so excited. So I reactivated the Instagram account with a post of three words. We're not done. And just like that, we were back. Now we had some new challenges. The show wasn't just an idea anymore. It was a product that needed content. What do we start with? 
Who do we contact? How far deep do we go? How will this time be different from the last? I knew I wanted to grow. I just didn't realize how much I would. Work-life balance is a common issue that deserves our attention. In 2017, the Harvard Business Review reported that the United States spends more than $190 billion annually to address the physical and psychological effects of burnout in the average working professional. Of course, this extends into the church world where burnout is common among pastors and leaders. Thankfully, former pastor and work-life balance consultant Paul Croswell offers help on this topic. In his best-selling book, Life Balance, Paul helps his readers to improve their life balance and then use it to improve the rest of their lives. We highly recommend the book, so purchase your copy of Life Balance at www.paulwcroswell.com. Croswell.com. That's paulwcroswell.com. If you're like me, you have questions, lots of them, and some of them may never have clear answers or solutions. But unfortunately, so many of our questions about God, faith, and spirituality actually come from a lack of knowledge. That's why I'm excited that my friends over at Holy Heretics Podcast have created How to Make Sense of the Bible Post-Deconstruction, an online course. It's to help those of us leaving evangelicalism better understand what the Bible is and what role, if any, it should have in our lives. The course will be live in July and have tons of time for dialogue and questions. It's only open to supporters of their show. So if you're interested in how to make sense of the Bible post-deconstruction, head over to patreon.com slash holyheretics to become a patron of any amount and secure your spot in the course. That's patreon.com slash holyheretics. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, you know, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. In fact, there was one there who'd been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he'd been in this condition for a really long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. When I came back to the podcast, I found myself deep in the deconstruction world. First of all, I wasn't the only person doing this. There were many people who had started accounts and podcasts all discussing church trauma, abuse and misuse of power, the LGBTQ community and inclusion, politics and Christian nationalism, decolonizing from white supremacy, and they were all doing a way better job at it than I was. Some of those shows and accounts are now my friends. They are Will and Katie from the Space Between podcast, Catherine from Uncertain Podcast, Joe Lumen, Holy Heretics with Melanie and Gary Allen, 
Tim from the New Evangelicals, Colby Martin, Emily and Molly from the Postmodern Fish, Phil Drysdale, The Decolonized Christian, David Hayward from The Naked Pastor, Megan Chance, John Steingard, Talk Purity to Me, Jesse from Exvangelical Lessons. What I found was a community. A group of people with shared experiences, sometimes shared perspectives, all saying the same thing. This is broken. This church thing is flawed. It's problematic, and it needs to be addressed. It needs to be dismantled. And so we dove in, but this time, I felt supported. I felt heard. I felt that this time was going to be different because I wasn't alone. Since September of 2020, we've dismantled so many important subjects like the rapture, the inerrancy of scripture, deconstruction itself, patriarchy and patriotism, doubting and discovery. And these episodes were different. There was a fire to them. I felt like not only was I asking better questions, but I was getting better answers, more satisfying responses. The one thing about the show that hadn't changed was my final question to every guest. How can the church move forward on this issue? How can we step into more unity as followers of Jesus? What's a first step as we tackle this subject? And it was always my last question because as much as we disagreed and tore the topic down, that was always my heart. How does this group of flawed people who meet in an imperfect way, called into relationship with each other because of our commonality in Jesus, actually do this thing you're saying? I love the church. With all its shortcomings and nearsightedness, I feel called to building unity within the church. And that's not uniformity, that's unity. And you can hear me talk about that more on the Holy Heretics podcast. Now, I'm not saying that I wasn't satisfied with the suggested critiques and content. God knows I've had multiple guests return three times to the show. I love the feedback. But what I was noticing about this new group of guests, this new Instagram following, this group of friends all had something in common. There was a new word being used that wasn't being used as frequently before. And it's this trauma. Trauma is real, especially when connected to the church. Trauma is a deeply distressing and disturbing experience. Given the year we all just had, this was a new challenge. So we're not just trying to dismantle an issue. We're trying to meet people in their distress, in their pain and their wounds from the church, from the thing that I love and provide some sort of comfort and healing to it. And what I noticed is that it just wasn't enough. Sure, we got to point some things out to the church, discuss honestly all the shit underneath the veneer, but at the end of it, all I felt like we were accomplishing was learning some new vernacular, but repeating what we already knew, that the church has problems. So I came to this crossroad. How do I meet people I care deeply about who have been traumatized by this institution and offer not just integrity in the dialogue, 
but steps towards building a better institution. Essentially, how do we deconstruct and reconstruct? Soon another feast came around, and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool, in Hebrew called Bethesda, with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there, he said, Do you want to get well? The sick man said, Sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. Jesus said, Get up, take your bedroll, and start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and walked off. I've had Keith Giles, Matt Koenig, and Colby Martin read John 5, 1 through 9, three times now. It's the passage where Jesus heals the paralytic who's been in this condition for 38 years. And I see some parallels between this story and the deconstruction community that I'm going to make now. And I want to be clear and transparent. Something I rarely do on this show is share my perspective. I want to preface this by saying that these opinions are not wide brush strokes on the entire community, nor are they aimed at anyone in particular. These are my thoughts based on doing this show for two years, having over 200 conversations with people trying to figure this out. This might offend you. You might disagree. This might not be for you. But it also might help us all move forward. That said, here we go. If our faith is going to survive in this environment, it's got to be tough enough to take a beating and yet tender enough to be moved, to be changed, and to take the risk of love. Rachel Held Evans. The church has done a magnificent job of alienating you if you don't believe the same things. As we look back on things like purity culture, the Republican and Democratic parties, sexism and patriarchal abuse, racism and orientations, the church has not escaped being caught in a system that brings people in, chews them up, and spits them out. In fact, we may have originated that system. The church has to take some ownership of its mistakes. And to be fair, there are churches that are doing that. For every pastor caught in a scandal, I can name you five women and men in ministry who are doing their best to hear from God and lead people from a place of love and acceptance. So it's not everyone. But the trauma people are experiencing from this institution is real. I can't emphasize that enough. 
The reason I've harped on this for the last few minutes is because I came to this realization with a mentor of mine. He asked, Are you helping people to process trauma or are you enabling them to stay in it? Damn. I was undone by that sentence. Am I helping people process the shit they've gone through or am I enabling them to remain in it? Am I stewarding the people who listen to my show and consume my content the best that I can? Because here's the thing about trauma. It is something that happens to us. But if left unchecked, it becomes something that identifies us. A counselor friend of mine said it like this. Skills learned in trauma require trauma to be useful. This means that when we go through distressing situations, we either learn to process them and move forward, or we cope and use them as a new barometer for health, meaning that we can't function without it. And some of what I'm seeing is that deconstruction has a lure to it. It offers vitality and growth. It offers us living out a more holistic faith, a sense of healing and distance from our abusers. It offers a sense of power that was once used against us. These are all great things. They're needed. Hell, it's called Dismantle Podcast. But the thing deconstruction isn't upfront about from the start is that it never offers us a way forward. It only offers us an escape. We don't try to fix the system naturally. We abandon it and critique it from afar. Because we've been hurt. And I get it. I understand. I've been hurt by the system too. And I've gone from trauma to trauma because I've used trauma to cope. I've used issues to avoid being part of the solution. If I can discuss how the church hates the LGBTQ community one month, then discuss the problem of church and politics in the next, hopping over to critical race theory for the summer and purity culture in the fall, what I see is that my trauma dictates my recovery. I don't actually heal. I'm always fighting battles. I'm still hurting, and I've learned to use the trauma and pain to function. And I see this within the narrative of John 5. This man at the pool has been in this condition for 38 years. That's a long time to be in that condition, to feel like nothing is ever going to change, to give up and be identified by the thing that hurt you. And maybe some of you feel like that too, that the church is just never going to change. As long as people in power abuse it, as long as we avoid certain communities and continue in this way, things will never be different. But Jesus says this interesting phrase, do you want to get well? Do you want things to be different? Do you want to change? And I think the reason he's doing this is because before he can heal this man and enable him to walk, he has to heal this man's will. He had to want something different than the trauma he's experienced. And some of you are listening to that and you're saying, yeah, but you don't get it. 
I wanted something different from my church, but they kicked me out. They ignored me. They're not interested in having conversations. I did want something different, so I left. And I'm not saying stay in toxic and harmful environments. I'm not saying get back in the pew. What I am saying is that some of us, myself included, at times have lost the will to make the church a better place, to engage with where we came from. We're not interested in those practices, that institution, that community of people anymore. We're just doing our own thing. We've deconstructed, but not reconstructed. There's no unity. We've given up and we're letting the trauma dictate our story. Well, I'm tired of letting the trauma dictate mine. Go back, he thought. No good at all. Go sideways, impossible. Go forward, only thing to do. On we go. So up he got and trotted along with his little sword held in front of him and one hand feeling the wall and his heart all of a patter and a pitter. J.R.R. Tolkien, The Hobbit. So, what's the way forward? What's this grand revelation you're leading us towards? What's going to be different about Dismantle Podcast? For two years now, we've had a deconstruction podcast where we've listened, we've learned, and we've grown. And the final question of every episode was always centered on the church and moving forward. In an honest assessment, that's pretty imbalanced. That focuses on taking the issue apart and understanding it while leaving no time to put anything back together. If I'm transparent, most of the time when we come to that question, we're spent just thinking about moving forward because the content has been triggering, emotional, and exhausting. Anything that doesn't grow, dies. Without assessment of the past and present, the future will be more of the same. And so I want to help process the trauma. So we're going to be clear about our intentions right now. We're a show aimed at the church. We want to deconstruct issues with thought-provoking guests and content while providing practical steps for reconstructing and moving forward. If that doesn't make us a deconstruction platform any longer, that's okay. We don't want you to feel like this is a bait and switch. We want to be clear with our language. We love deconstruction. It's needed. It's vital. But so is reconstruction. Assembling back what we've taken apart so that we as the members of the church, whether that's in a typical building or not, know how to experience trauma but not be defined by it. 
how to make this thing that Jesus died for better because we ruin it all the time. To be clear, we're not telling you that you have to go back to church. I'm not dictating the narrative of how you deconstruct or reconstruct. Maybe it's not for you. We won't always agree, but we won't argue, as I've said many times. If this next phase of the show isn't for you, we get it. And we're not forcing you. But moving forward, we're going to be selective about our guests. We're going to be selective about our topics. We may not air as many episodes, but you can be damn sure that each and every one of them will still tackle a tough subject, not just to dismantle it, but to remantle it so that the church has practical, experience-driven, accurate steps to better handle and live in the culture we find ourselves in. And we hope you stay with us. We hope you continue to trust us with your deconstruction and reconstruction moving forward. Healing from trauma is not a time-restricted thing. There's no rush or timeline we're prescribing you to speed through what's best for you. Only you will know that. But if and when you're ready, we want to be a resource where we can take things apart, aim to put some pieces back together, all while making the church a better place. I've said it on every episode, and I'll say it again. Don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. I feel the weight of that now more than ever but we're willing to do the work. We hope you are too. Dismantle Podcast is written and produced by Joey Monteleone. Guest appearances in this episode include Keith Giles, Matt Koenig, Colby Martin, Nikki Tranquilla, Michael Hottie, Will Gibson, Emily Hunt, Catherine Spearing. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on social media at DismantlePod. You can support the work of the show at Patreon.com, or you can shoot us an email at DismantlePod at gmail.com. Until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. Dismantle.